Is it possible to lose your salvation? Is it true that once saved, always saved? I think there's a clear answer. I'm going to do three things on this episode. One, I'm going to talk about the Bible passages that address this. Two, I'm going to talk about this issue from a logical standpoint, a if this, then this argument, if you will. And then three, I'm going to address frequently asked questions and misconceptions about this argument. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two of my podcast. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, Today's episode will actually be answering the question of, can I lose my salvation? This is not only a very common question, but one I think is actually interconnected and interwoven with other questions. Meaning, I think that if I can point to some passages and make a good strong argument for my stance on this, I actually think that it would answer some other questions that people have. I think that it's so vital before I even begin to address this argument to just talk about the atonement. What happened on the cross and what does it even mean to be saved? I feel like we have to address that or I can't even begin to answer the questions. I have in mind three scriptures that specifically address what happened on the cross. How was our salvation accomplished? The first scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, He, that is Jesus, became sin, although he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so let's walk through this. He became sin. Jesus became sin. Became obviously implies turned into something that you formerly were not. He became sin. He wasn't already sin. We know Jesus was perfect. So he became sin, although he knew no sin. So that, here's the purpose statement, we might become, there's that word again, we might turn into something we are not naturally, the righteousness of God. That's powerful. Essentially, on the cross, Jesus switched places with you. Okay, very interesting. Keep that in mind. Isaiah 53.10. Isaiah 53 is a very famous passage. In fact, we named our son Isaiah specifically after this passage. Isaiah 53.10 says, depending on your translation, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Okay, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of God to crush himself, to crush his son. Okay, something happened on the cross between God and God. Okay, between the Godhead, Father and Son. My final verse tonight is from John 3. Everybody knows and loves John three sixteen, as do I, but I'm actually just a little bit below that today. I'm in John three thirty six, which says... Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never had a bad attitude. He was the only one who ever loved God and loved neighbor as himself. The only one. When he died on the cross, he bore our sins, which means 
God's wrath over our sins, because God is angry at sin. God cannot tolerate sin. The Bible says that so many times, so, so many times. It's hard for me to even pick a verse because it's just so abundantly clear. God hates sin. It's opposed to his very character and nature. And he would not be just. He would not be good. He would not be loving if he just swept sin under the rug and didn't deal with it. So on the cross, Jesus Christ became sin. And his righteousness was given to his bride, his people, his children. God punished his son, which by the way, this is not like me punishing my son. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one being in three persons. They're unified. This is not cosmic child abuse. This is God willingly taking sin upon himself and entering earth with human flesh. God punished his son. The wrath over my sin was poured out on Jesus Christ. When someone falls in love with Jesus, hears the gospel, and wants to follow and love and obey Jesus Christ, They are saved. That salvation is activated. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. We are, in the eyes of God, perfect. We are justified, the Bible says. Our sin has been done away with. There is no more wrath remaining on us. Jesus rose three days later because, as the Bible says, he was God. He was not able to be held by death, but he tasted death for all of us. And he rose again in accordance with the Old Testament scriptures, which proves that he was who he says he is. But my sin has been dealt with. It's paid in full. That's what happened on the cross. That's the atonement. And that is so important for us to know that before we can even dive into this topic. So that being said, let's go ahead and dive in. I'm going to first start with some Bible verses like I said, and then go to a logical argument and then here at the very end address some frequently asked questions and misconceptions uh, about this topic. First verse is 1 John 2.19. This is a letter to a church. It says, They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, They went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belonged to us. That's pretty self-explanatory. Like, hey, when people leave, it's because they never were legitimate. When people leave the faith, it's because they never were truly in it. I would encourage you to read 1 John to get a whole context of this. But I feel like this is one of the most clear passages on this. It says, hey, they went out from us because they weren't of us. If they were of us, they would have stayed. But they went out so that we might know that they're not of us. There you go. If you're truly in Christ, you stay in Christ. Another Bible verse is John 6, 35 through 40. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus seems pretty confident here that there are people that his Father has in his hand who will believe and who will be raised up on the last day. The last day is this reference to judgment day, to the second coming of Christ when all of us will be judged, living and dead. John 10, 25 through 30, Jesus says, I did tell you and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. By the way, this is um, him talking to some Jews. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Salvation is actually kind of this living in the already and the not yet. In one sense, if you believe in Jesus, you are already saved. You are in the Father's hand. No one can pluck you from his hand. You are safe. You are secure. You are his child. On the other hand, salvation still awaits us. When Christ returns for his second coming and he judges the world and God's wrath is poured out on those who don't believe, That is when we are saved, because we will be saved from the wrath of God. Romans 5.9 says this explicitly. And also 2 Thessalonians 1 lays out very clearly that that is what is going to happen. Christ will come back and judge his enemies. And we will be saved from that wrath. So, again, salvation is something that happens immediately upon belief. But it also is something we are still waiting for. Okay? Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to the end of the chapter is one of my favorite passages because it just goes out of its way to talk about how nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. For those who are in Christ, nothing can separate us. Absolutely nothing. I want you to read that Bible passage for yourself. It's a good one. Honestly, there are more passages, but these are just a few that I thought of pretty quickly on the topic of, can you lose your salvation? I don't think so. According to these passages, I feel like they go out of their way to make a strong case that no, you cannot lose something that was earned before you were even born. Which leads me to the second part of my argument, which is the logical argument. You know, if you didn't earn your salvation how are you going to unearn it? If someone can lose something that was earned for them by someone else, if they can somehow unearn it, that just puts the cross in conflict with itself. It also says that we are actually more powerful than God. If we can somehow 
pluck ourselves out of God's hand, then we're pretty strong. That's in direct conflict with some of the verses that I just shared. It also would make salvation works-based if you have to constantly, how should I say this? Constantly work at keeping your salvation. If you are living in fear, like so many of my brothers and sisters in Christ are, that you are going to somehow lose your salvation. That is just not how the Lord would have us live. That is just not what he wants. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if I could lose my salvation, I would. I already would have because I know I am weak and incapable and unfaithful. If you hand me salvation and tell me it's my job to make sure I don't lose it, to make sure that I perform well enough to keep it, goodness gracious, I'm just going to go ahead and give up before I even get started. That turns grace into a works-based salvation. If I have to do something, if I have to perform in order to get something from God, that is works-based salvation. And Christianity is the only religion in the entire world that I've at least come across. Feel free to correct me if you have found one, you know, hidden somewhere that we've yet to discover. That is not works-based. It is the only one. All other religions in the entire world, in all of history, have been works-based. They say, you do this in order to gain salvation. But Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. He has already done it. The most common question and pushback to the idea that we can't lose our salvation is, well, then that means that somebody who is saved can just live however they want and still go to heaven. No, absolutely not. The Bible is so clear on that as well. For example, Romans 6, Paul goes out of his way to say, no, like anybody that says, okay, let's just sin. Let's sin it up because there's grace for us. Let's just sin so that grace may abound. Paul says, no, how are we who are dead to sin? How can we still live in it? Like, no, when you were saved, you are alive in Christ and made dead to sin. If you are dead to your sin, dead, no longer dead in your trespasses and sin, as Ephesians 2 says, but now dead to them, they no longer reign and rule over you. You are no longer a slave to those things. How can you still live in them? Well, you don't. You know, 1 John goes out of its way to say, you know, those who love Jesus will keep his commandments. Jesus himself says that. True evidence of a saving faith, of a true salvation, is obedience and love to Christ. I don't care what people tell you. If they say they are a Christian, but they do not live in obedience, the Bible says that they are not in Christ. They are not truly saved. I can say that with 100% confidence. I think we're all familiar with the parable of the sower. This is found in three of the four Gospels. Three of the four of those seeds that land in soil 
look like a believer. Only one remains faithful, the one that lands in good soil. This idea that you can, you know, say a sinner's prayer and you're done, you're good to go, that just doesn't come from the Bible. That is a cultural phenomenon. It's not a vaccine. It's not a one and done shot, a salvation shot. Like now they're done. They said the prayer and the prayer saves them. Again, that would be a workspace salvation. They did the thing, right? That prayer should actually be a symptom of what the Holy Spirit is doing in their heart. That prayer does not save. That prayer, however, can be evidence that the Holy Spirit is softening their heart and drawing them to salvation. But your salvation is proven through trial and fire and your good works. Your good works are not the root of your salvation, as John Piper says, but they are the fruit of it. So, no, anybody that would say that they are a Christian and they live a horrible life, Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Really, the only time that we are scripturally to question someone's salvation is when they are living in disobedience. So I just want to give a quick word of encouragement to someone who loves Jesus, really wants to obey him, but they just worry and are consumed with, what if I'm not actually saved? If you are loving and obeying Jesus, that is the biggest evidence that you are saved. The only time I see in scripture that we are to question someone's salvation is in areas of church discipline. Like when this person is sinning unrepentantly, that's when we begin to say, "Mm, you may not be legit here. But other than that, we can just rest in the confidence that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. I can sleep so well at night because I know that no one can pluck me from the Father's hand, that my salvation was accomplished before I was even born, that my desire to obey Jesus and to love him is evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit's not just going to decide one day to leave me, to just unsave me. And if I decide one day to turn my back on Jesus, I will have proven myself unregenerate. I will have proven the passage is true that I shared earlier. I will have proven that I never was in Christ. I was just one of those seeds that sprouted up and died. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of my podcast. This was episode two of my first season, I guess you could say, and it was called, Can I Lose My Salvation? If you have any questions or confusion or another point of view, I'm always open to discuss those. Feel free to message me on Facebook or email me at blamibo.go at hushmail.com. That's B-L-A-M-I-B-O dot G-O at hushmail.com. Thank you and God bless.